0: One Eye Open podcast may feature language, mature themes, and violence. This is your trigger warning. Hello, you are listening to One Eye Open, a true crime podcast where I talk about crimes ranging from urban legends to serial killers and how they are portrayed in the media. So sit back, relax. And enjoy Tate's Guide to the Perfect Crime. Hello, happy Pride Month, and welcome back to When I Open Podcast. I am your host, Tate, and today I am going to be talking, well, first of all, I am back from my little short-lived vacation, and I am actually, actually now have a new job, which if it sounds like I'm recording these kind of quickly, um, or if I'm at a different pace, it's because of my now, day job but I am still going to be talking about cases and how they're represented in the media, as per usual. And I think this might actually be the last episode. I'm checking my calendar. Um, yes, so this is the last episode of my LGBTQ, like, related um, deaths or related um, incidents, like how I talked about the representation um, in in crime shows and there resep- and the reps and and the large list of unsolved murders, but and then I talked about Tony McDade last week, and I have a very special episode today. Um, this case has been done by a lot of true crime podcasters, but it's still like really interesting to me, and so. Today I'm going to, going to be talking about the death of Matthew Shepard, and how his death impacted sort of how the um how the courts and the laws um look on handle look and um like oversee and handle hate crime cases. I believe that um, I believe that a plethora of other podcasts have covered this case. I think it. Would take me a full episode to list all of the to list all of the podcasts, but on the top of my head, I believe that Hellbound might have covered it, and I think Wine and Crime looked over it during their hate crime episodes. Um, but and I'm also going to going to be talking about two different Law and Order SVU episodes that sort of cover either the gay panic defense, which I will get more into that later. Or, and also talking about Matthew Shepard's case sort of in like a different um, sort of how they depicted it. And also talking about other social media or uh, media aspects of the case, including movies, uh, films, and some books as well. So <clears throat> let's get into the case. So first we're going to go give a little background on, on Matthew and his life. And, um, this is going to be a slight trigger warning, or this is going to be a trigger warning for the end of, um, for the end of this. Matthew Shepard was born in 1960, 1976 in Casper, Wyoming. He was the first of two sons born to Judy and Dennis Shepard. His younger brother, Logan, was born in 1981. The two brothers had a close relationship. Um, Shepard attended Crest Hill Am- Elementary School, Dean Morgan Junior High School, and Natura County High School for his freshman through junior years. Um, as a child he was friendly with all of his classmates but was targeted and teased due to, due to a small stature and lack of athleticism. I can relate to the end of it. or to the last part of that. He developed an interest in politics at a very and a very early age. Saudi Amako hired his father in the summer of nineteen ninety four, and Shepard's parents subsequently resided at the Saudi Romaro residential camp in Duran. During that time Shepard attended American school in Switzerland, from which he graduated in nineteen in May nineteen ninety five. There he participated in theatre and took German and Italian courses. He then a talented he then a talented he then attended wow um Cataboa College in North Carolina and Casper College in Wyoming after settling in Denver, Colorado. Shepard became a first-year political science major at the University of Wyoming in in Laramie with a minor in languages and was chosen as the student representative for the Wyoming Environmental Council. Um, Shepard was an Episcopalian. Okay, I don't know. Um, and also served as an altar boy in the church. He was described by his father as, an, as a, quote, optimistic and accepting young man who had a very special gift of relating to almost everyone. He was the type of person who was very approachable and always looked new challenges. Shepard had a great passion for equality and always stood for the acceptance of people's differences. Michelle Josie, who has been Shepard's friend and later created a documentary about him, um called matthew shepherd is a friend of mine which i will be talking about later described him as a quote tender-hearted and kind person this is another um this is, this is where the trigger warning settles in um in 1995 shepherd was beaten and raped during a high school trip to morocco this caused him to experience depression and panic attacks according to his mother one of, of Shepard's friends feared that his depression had driven him to become involved with drugs during his time at college. And multiple times, um, Matthew was actually has, was hospitalized due to his clinical depression and suicidal ideation. Now, on to the case. On the night of October 6, 1998, Shepherds was approached by Aaron McKinney and Russell Henderson at the Fireside Lounge in Laramie. All three men were in their early 20s. McKinley and Henderson d- decided to give Shepard a ride home. He subsequently drove to a remote rural area and proceeded to rob, pistol whip, and torture Shepard, tying him to a barbed wire fence and leaving him to die. Many media reports contained the graphic account of this pistol whipping and his fractal- fractured skull. Reports described how Roberts was beaten so brutally that his face was completely covered in blood. <sighs> except where it was partially cleansed by his tears. And for those who are, like, new to the true crime community or who may not know what pistol whipping is, it's basically when someone takes a pistol or a gun and smacks it across a person's face, like, honestly, anywhere on their face. They don't use, like, the front side of the gun. They use kind of, like, the side and sort of just jam it in. But... That part always makes me feel really sad. They they tied him up. That they that they that they tied him up, and that um, his face was so brutally beaten and covered in blood, except where the where where it had been partially cleansed by his tears. So the assailant's girlfriends actually testified that neither um, the. The girlfriends testified that neither McKinley or Henderson was under the influence of alcohol or any drugs at the time of the attack. McKinley and Henderson testified that they learned of Shepard's address and intended to steal from his home as well. After attacking Shepard and tying him to the fence in near freezing temperatures, <laughs> um, McKinley and Henderson returned to town. McKinley proceeded to pick a fight with two men, 19-year-old Emilio Morales and 18-year-old Jeremy Herrera. The fight resulted in head wounds for both Morales and McKinney. Police officer Flint Walters arrived at the scene of the fight. He arrested Henderson, searched McKinley's truck, and found a blood-smeared gun along with Shepard's shoes and credit card. Henderson and McKinney later tried to pursue their girlfriends to provide alibis for them and help them dispose of the evidence. Still tied to the fence, Shepherds was in a coma 18 hours after the attack when he was discovered by Aaron Cruffles, Kr- a cyclist who initially mistook Shepherds for a scarecrow. If I'm, I don't know. I think that there's are there international scarecrows, but if you know what a scarecrow looks like, you can imagine what it would look like on the side of a road. That's what matthew shepard looked like reggie Flenty, the first police officer to arrive at the scene found shepard alive but covered in blood the medical gloves issued by the Al- um, by the albany Cont- county sheriff's department were faulty and Fla- and flouty's supply ran out she decided to use her bare hands to clear an airway in shepard's bloody mouth Um, later, a day later, she, she was informed that Shepard was HIV positive and that she might have been exposed to the virus due to the cuts on her hands. Um, after taking a AZT regimen for several months, she tested negative for HIV. Um, so I am not, I'm actually not very well educated in what, um, a AZT regimen is, so I can't speak very much of it but i know that um that like back at this time this is not now um i know it's really controversial but it was known as like the gay disease and and things like that and obviously it's not referred to but back then again it was it was a completely different time i have a family member um if any of you if anybody who knows artists um my family member uh keith haring uh passed away from from aids um So that's kind of how I know what HIV is, but it was people thought that only gay men could get it, which isn't the case anymore. But uh, Judy Shepard later wrote that she learned of her son's HIV status while he lay dying in the hospital. Shepard was transferred first to um, I've avison avison. Avizen Memorial Hospital in Laramie before being moved to a more advanced trauma ward at Poudre County Valley Hospital in Fort Collins, Colorado. He had suffered fractures to the back of his head to the front of his right ear. He experienced severe brain, brain stem damage, which affected his body's ability to regulate his heartbeat, body temperature, and other vital functions. There are also a small dozen lacerations around his face, head and neck. His injuries were too deemed for were deemed too severe for doctors to operate. Shepherd never regained consciousness and remained on a full life support. While he lay in intense care in the in in the days following the attacks, candle vigils were held against the world. Sorry, around the world. And unfortunately, Shepherd was pronounced dead 6 days after the attack. At 12.53 a.m. on October 12th, 1998. And this is what really gets me. He was 21. He was only 21 when this happened. He he was... he He was, like, really... He was really, really, really young when this happened. And that's one of, like... That's one of, like, the really insane things about this case is that he, he was only 21. Like, that's just insane. So, now I'm going to go into sort of what happened, um, court-wise. And then, no, sorry. Um, first I'm going to go into what happened, like, right after, around, um, yeah, actually, no. Around around the court, I'm gonna go into the court proceedings of this, and then talk about um, how like what what laws have been passed, and how people around the world reacted reacted to this case. All right, now let's get into the legal mumbo jumbo. So <clears throat> McKinney and Henderson were arrested and initially charged with attempted murder, kidnapping, and aggravated robbery. After Shepard's death, the charges were upgraded from attempted murder to first-degree murder, which meant that two, the two defendants were eligible for the death penalty. Their girlfriends, Kristen Price and Chastity Paisley, were also were being charged with being ac- accessories after the fact. At McKinney's um, November 1998 pretrial hearing, Sergeant Rob degree, Debris testified that McKinley had stated in an interview on um, sorry <laughs> on November 9th that he and Henderson had identified Shepard as a robbery target and pretended to be gay to lure him out to their truck, and that McKinley had attacked Shepard after Shepard put his hand on McKinley's knee. Detective Ben Frizen testified that Price stated McKinley told her that the violence against Shepard was triggered by how McKinney, quote, felt about gays. <sighs> On December 1998, Paisley pleaded pleaded guilty to being accessory after the fact to first-degree murder. On April 5th, 1999, Henderson avoided going to trial because he pled guilty to murder and kidnapping charges. In order to avoid the death penalty, he agreed to testify against McKinney and was sentenced, sentenced by, jury, by district judge Jeffrey A. Donnell to two consecutive life terms. Um, at Henderson's sentencing, his lawyer argued that Shepard had not been attacked because he was gay. McKinney's trial took place in October and November 1999. Prosecutor Cal alleged that McKinney and Henderson pretended to be gay to gain Je- Shepard's trust. Um, Price McKinney's girlfriend testified that Henderson and McKinney had quote, pretended they were gay to get Shepard in a truck and rob him. McKinney's murder attempted. Uh, McKinney's lawyer attempted to put forward a gay panic defense, which is something that I am going to get into at the end of this. Um, at the end of the statement arguing that McKinney was driven to temporary insanity by alleged sexual advantages by Shepard. This defense was rejected by the judge because it is ridiculous, but that we'll get into it later. Um, McKinney's lawyer stated that the two men wanted to rob Shepard but never intended to kill him. Retruda argued that the killing had been premeditated, driven by greed and violence, rather than Shepard's sexual orientation. The jury found McKinney not guilty of a pre murder, but guilty of felony murder, and began to deliberate on the death penalty. Um, Shepard's parents brokered a deal that resulted in McKinney serving receiving two consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. Henderson and McKinney were um, incarcerated in the Wyoming state penitentiary in Rollins, and were later transferred to other prisons because of overcrowding. Uh, following her testimony at McKinney's trial, Price pleaded guilty to the reduced charge of misdemeanor interference with a police officer. Um, now, I am going to be talking about the gay panic defense. I'm not going to go too far into the history of it, but I'm going to talk about, like, the, just the overview that's on Wikipedia, so... This also is also going to reach out to the transpanic defense, which I actually have an, another episode coming up about it. Um, so the gay panic defense is a legal strategy in which a defendant claims they acted in a res- in the state of violent temporary insanity, committing assault or murder because of unwanted same sex sexual advantages. A defendant may allege to have the same se- to found the same sex sexual advantages so offensive or frightening that they were provoked into reacting or acting in self-defense were, dis- um, were of disemboweled captivity or temporary insane and that is that that the circunst- or circumstance as explanatory or mis- misjudging. so basically they're saying like oh This person is gay, making advantages towards me. I don't like it, so I'm going to go temporarily insane and kill them. Or assault them. Um, yeah, that's just- I- I hate this defense with all of my heart. This is such a dumb defense, and is also, like, really homophobic, as well. So, So this is some more part of like the um. This is more part of the um, of like the legislative and like the um, and the aftermath of Shepard's case. This is sort of the legacy of it. So sorry, I have to find the there. Now we're going to talk about more about hate crimes. Actually, I have a sorry. My notes are mumbled. Okay, so in the years following her son's death, Judy Shepard has worked with an, as an ad, advocate for LGBTQ rights, particularly issues related to gay youth. Every everyone say thank you, Judy. Uh, she was the ma- she was the main force behind the Matthew Shepard Foundation, which her and her husband Dennis founded in 1980 in 1998. Gay rights activist uh, John Stogelberg has said that to to portray Shepard as a gay bashing victim is to present an incomplete account of his victimization. Quote, Keeping Shepard as a poster boy of gay hate crimes and ignoring the whole tragedy of a story has been the agenda of many gay movement leaders. Ignoring the tragedies of Matthew's life prior to his murder will not, will not help anything to help other young men in our community who are sold for sex um revenged by drugs or generally exploited um in 2000 in june 2019 Shepard was one of the um inaugural 50 american quote pioneers trailblazers and heroes um indica- indicated on the national lgbtq wall of honor within the stonewall um national monument in new york city's stonewall inn which i really want to visit the um, SNM, is, as it's called, is the first U.S. national monument dedicated to the LGBTQ rights in history. And this wall's unveiling was timed to take place during the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, which I'm going to talk about, um, like, in a in, in a future episode. Request for new legislation to address hate crimes gained momentum during the coverage of the incident. Under existing... United States federal law and Wyoming state law, crimes committed on the basis of sexual orientation could not be perse- persecuted as hate crimes. A few hours after Shepard was-, was discovered, his friends Walt Bowman and Alex Trout began to contact media organizations claiming that Shepard had been insulted because he was gay. Also, this was the right way to go. In case anybody is wondering how to report things like this, this is exactly what you want to do you want to contact media and if you know about a case that needs more coverage fee- please feel free to contact me um and that's at one like the, the the number like the one line one um i open podcast at gmail.com um it's also in my episode description for my contact please if you have a case suggestion you can also DM me on Instagram or, or comment on my TikTok. Anyway, please, I would like more cases to I think that I can bring more light into. Also, um update on a Molly Bish case. They're actually they're, they there's a chance that they're considering um, passing the law for the DNA testing. If you haven't listened to that episode, highly recommended. But sorry, just a <laughs> quick... Sorry, um, just a quick little um, interjection right there. So, yeah. So according to Prosecutor Al Verchera, they were calling quote they were calling the county attorney's office, and they were calling the media and indicating Matthew Shepard is gay, and they didn't want and we didn't want to go to the fact that he is gay to go unnoticed. Uh, Tina Libre, a close of Shepard's, said that Bolton and Trout wanted to make um, Matthew, a poster child or something for their cause. Uh, Bolden linked the attack to the absence of Wyoming criminal s- statute providing for a hate crimes charge. In the, following the session of Wyoming legislature, a bill was introduced to define certain t- that defined certain attacks motivated by a victim's sexual reg- orientations as a hate crime. As hate crimes, the measure failed on a 30-30 tie in the Wyoming House of Representatives. President Bill Clinton renewed attempts to extend federal hate crimes legislation, federal hate crime legislation, to include gay people, women, and people with disabilities. A hate crimes prevention act was introduced on both U.S. UN, United States Senate and House of Representatives in November 1997 and reintroduced in March 1999. But was only but but was passed by only the Senate in July 1999, in September 20. 20- in September 2000, both houses of Congress passed such legislatives. However, it was stripped out in the conference committee. On March 20th, 2007, the Matthew Shepard and James Beard, Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, the H.R. 19, 1592, was introduced as federal bipartisan legislation in the U.S. Congress, sponsored by Democrat John Kairos, with 171 co- co-sponsors. Shepard's parents attended the introduction ceremony. The bill passed the House of Representatives in May, on May 3, 2007. Similar legislation passed in the Senate on September 27, 2007. Um, however, then President George W. Bush indicated that he would veto the legislation if he could reach his desk. The, Demo- the Democratic leadership dropped the indi- indictment or amendment in response to opposition from conservative groups and Bush. And because the measure was attached to a defense bill, there was a lack of support from anti-war Democrats. On December 10, 2007, Congressional powers attached bipartisan hate crimes legislation to, to a Department of Defense authorization bill, although it failed to pass. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, said she is still committed to getting the Matthew Shepard Act passed. Pelosi planned on getting the bill passed in early 2008, although she did not succeed. Following his election as president, Barack Obama stated that he was was committed to passing the act. Sorry. Um, The U.S. House of Representatives debated the expansion of hate crime legislation on April 29, 2009. During the debate... Representative uh, Virginia Fox in North Carolina called the "quote hate-criming labeling of Shepherd's murder" a "quote hoax." Um, Fox later commented on her called her called her comments a "poor choice of words," part of my language, but as that bitch should. Um, the House passed the act, designed H.R. one nine one three, by a vote of. 249 to 175. Ted Kennedy, Patrick Leahy, and a bipartisan coalition introduced the bill to the Senate on April 28th. It had 42 co sponsors as of June 17th, 2009. The Matthew Shepard Act was adapted as an amendment to S 1390 by a vote of 63 to 28. On July fifteenth, two thousand nine. On October twenty second, uh, two thousand nine, the state passed the, the act by a vote of ninety of sorry of of sixty eight to twenty nine. President Obama signed the measure into law on October twenty eighth, two thousand and nine. So, this is sort of also something else about um, Matthews. On Matthew's case so on um on October 29th 2018 just to, just over 20 years after his death Shepard's ashes were inverted into the crypt of Washington National Cathedral the ceremony was provided over by the first openly gay Episcopal Bishop Gene Robinson and the Bishop of Washington Reverend sorry. <sighs> Maryam Edgar Bumble, music was performed by the Gay Men's Chorus of Washington D.C., Jen Out and Conspire, which performed um, Craig, Hella Johnson's Conspiring, considering Matthew Shepard. His was the first endurment of the ashes of a national figure at the cathedral since Helen Keller fifty years earlier. So uh, there's also a lot. So. I know that that was a lot of, like, media. Not really media. That was a lot of case talk. And I know that I went kind of fast. But, again, this is a case that has a lot of information. If you saw me stumbling on a couple words, it was because I am not a lawyer. Again, as I've said multiple times, basically a a detective, barely a lawyer. So... Now I'm going to be talking about the couple of Law & Order SVU episodes, um, sort of connected to Matthew Shepard, and then get into some other more interesting pieces of media, like music, and other things like that. So do y'all think, before I start the Law & Order SVU part, which is usually the TV show that I'm stemming from, that's gonna change actually in a very interesting case that I have coming up, I'm really excited about because it's my first conspiracy theory because yes I'm a conspiracy theorist do you think that before the episode like the law and order segment I should do like the dun dun like what I would I get copied what I get sued like I think that's trademarked by NBC um is anybody from NBC like listening or if there are any lawyers out there listening I know my aunt listens to this um <laughs> would i get sued potentially but i don't know i mean i feel like it'd be kind of funny if i just did the and now to svu dun dun um so this is a spoiler alert for us episode for episode for season i think it's yeah season five episode eight called abomination so so this case actually talks about the um um it's actually talking about the um talking about the gay panic. It's actually talking about the gay panic defense and I'm also going to talk about some of the quotes of the episode. So again, it is called Abomination and it aired on in November on 11, November 11th, 11, 2003. So, this is the plot. When a young homosexual male who was a poster boy for a sexual reeducation group is found brutally murdered, the SVU squad suspect an outspoken minister who was responded f- responsible for sending hundreds of hate mail and death threats to the victim. Um, the case takes another twist when they focus their attention on a professor who believes that homosexuality is wrong then it is discovered that his son, who is also who is also gay, and that says, um, in parentheses, but deep in the closet, turns out to be a suspect in the murder. Um, the son, Ian, is revealed to be the partner of the, mar- of the murdered man and that his father did it. He had hidden his orientation from his father, but he had a girlfriend in high school who was aware of his secret, and her mother had, had told his father. Um... Ian is horrified and wishes he was dead as his father is arrested. At the end of the episode, Novak apologizes for forcing him to accept accept his homosexuality and reveal it. Um, But Ian isn't sorry and is is relieved that the secret was out. So there's actually not really like a running gag, but um, I'm also going to talk about this um, sort of as I read some of the quotes. There is a... There's sort of an underground ship war. Also, the the people the 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 father fa- the father and the son um their last name is Tate, which is also my name. So it also felt really weird. Um, to hear Mosheka Hargitay say my name. I'm Christopher Maloney, Christopher Maloney. But um, yeah. Also, Ice T knows how to say my name now. Um, also, you know, Dan Florek, BG Wong, Diane Neal, Richard Bez, Belzer, but, um, anyway, there's sort of a running gag within the community that, um, Olivia has been romantically involved with Casey Novak, um, and also Alex Cabot. Now, me personally, I am definitely team Babbitt, um, which I think would be... Um, yeah, which is, um, Alex and Olivia, um, you know, Benson, Cabot, I'm, I'm team Babbitt. Um, but, yeah, I feel like, sort of, Casey having, like, having him, sort of, make, not really, like, make, not making him, like, come out was, sort of, maybe, like, maybe that's what happened, sort of, with her, but, um, So now I'm going to talk about some of the quotes that are in this episode. So again, let's separate the actors from the um from the characters, please. These are the characters, not the actors. So <clears throat> um so this is like Elliot living in a um not living all quoting from a letter. All queers are burned in the internal fires of hell, so saith the lord. Somehow I doubt that's a direct quote. <coughs> Sorry, um I just lost my voice. Also realized that that's not what I thought it said, but um another thing that Munch said about um Ian Tate. No wonder he tried to hide it. Quote, you're not gay son, you're just crazy. Um and so uh I actually So this is a uh this is a conversation between Stapler and Benson. It goes stapler, Benson, Stapler. So um <clears throat> This is Stabler first. I don't know, maybe some people choose to be gay and others choose to be straight. Benson. Oh so you choose to be heterosexual. Elliot. Me? no that scene just made me laugh a lot and this is the scene with um uh with Novak and Ian so so Casey they took the plea Ian that's the son by the way um sorry it's so weird you know I've been sitting here for a while and everybody who walks by I, I wonder does he know does she know Or, sorry, does does he know, does she? James used to talk about how happy he was that he was gay. He He said guys were having much more fun. Casey, yeah, I agree with James. Ian, everything's different now, you know? No matter what I do, nothing will be like it was before. Casey, Ian, I had my job to do, and I made you deal with something you weren't ready for. I'm sorry. Ian, yeah, I'm not. So... Uh, this doesn't exactly talk about like the gay panic defense, but if you look back, I said that the that the the website does describe does describe uh, James as like a poster boy, which is sort of what um, sort of what Matthew Shepard was really really for lack of a better word. So uh, here's another episode that is also connected to. Um, Connected to Matthew Shepard, this still has uh, Casey here. So, so this episode is called "Strain," and for spoiler warning, it is a uh, uh, season seven, episode five. That it also talks about Finch Tool's background a little bit, including his son Ken, who is who who is gay, and now um, Ken actually now has a son with his husband, um. I think The Sun was introduced in one of the new episodes called, uh, Send in the Clowns, which, um, actually starred one of my semi-friends from, I've seen her twice in a Broadway show. Hi, Mallory. You're not listening to this. Um, but, it's a good, it's a, it's a really good episode, too. It's a really cool twist. Not really cool, but it's a really nice twist. So, uh, here, are... Here, here's the summary and like the plot. Sorry, and stuff. So, <clears throat> summary: Two gay men are murdered, and happens to be and happen to be infected with EATS. Benson and Tutuola inspect the gay circuit parties to find suspects. Um, as a member of the community myself, I can confidently say I've watched this episode, and I still. Do not understand what a gay circuit party is, but I mean, it sounds kind of fun, but um, it also might have something to do with meth, so maybe not as fun. So, here's the plot. The discovery of of the bodies of two young gay men, who were both meth addicts as well as victims of a new strand of AIDS that can kill its victims in less than a year, leads to an investigation. Tutula learns that his son, Ken, is gay and has difficulty accepting it. Um, even though he and Benson end up going to Ken for help with infiltrating an anti-meth group. The group's leader, Gabriel, soon becomes their top suspect when when the squad realizes that the two men died because they passed the disease on. The two men had been having indiscriminate sex while high on meth and spreading the killer disease to others who would do the same. Gabriel believed that since the two wouldn't convince themselves that killing them was the only way to control the spread. <clears throat> at the end, of, at the end, in the shock of Tutubal and Novak, Robin, one of the people, one of the men who died, father, uh, gives an, gives a testimony, ex- asking him to be lenient on Gabriel, as he does not approve of the man killing his son. He knows why he did it, with the intention of saving saving lives from the killer strand. Um. <clears throat> So, afterwards, Finn shares words with Robin's father and reveals that Gabriel got the min- minimum for murder, which is 15 years. Robin's father regrets how he treated his son and wishes he could redeem himself But before Finn finds comforting words. After he leaves, Tuchola is seen at the end, calling a number on a phone, presumably his son. So, as you can see, you know, like, Like Ken or er, Tutuola is obviously trying his like very best, um, as a father because they believe that him and Ken were sort of stranded, not stranded, is strained. Is that the yeah, that's the right word. So he is just you know trying his best, and this was also talking about um about AIDS, which line order sometimes handles correctly. Honestly, depends on the episode at this point. So that was one of the other episodes I wanted to talk about because it also sort of, um, it talks about, you know, the spread of HIV and there's no specific episode that directly, like, sort of copied Matthew Shepard's, like how um, Law and Order did with Sarah Paulson's episode with Lizzie Borden. Like, that's sort of what they think happened, but they didn't exactly copy it right like off the FBI files from Matthew Shepard's case. So, now I'm going to talk about a couple of the other like media aspects, like movies, documentaries, other versions of television or music that I didn't really get into um before. So, I'm not trying to rapid fire off of this, but I am very tired. So, welcome to del- Delirious Daniels. I'm- why am i filming this so late okay um in case anybody is wondering i'm currently trying to not eat trader joe's jelly beans i have a candle next to me that smells like um sour patch watermelon and it is 11 o'clock at night and i have work tomorrow at 8 30. anyway so here are some of the here's some of the books that are about matthew shepard So the meaning of Matthew, um, October morning, meaning like sad morning. um, The book of Matt and blood and tears. There are also some also some um, movies. One is called Anatomy of a Hate Crime, um, the Laramie Project, the Matthew Shepard story, um, and some here are some of the documentaries. One is called Dear Jesse. Laramie, Inside Out, and the one that I mentioned before, um, which was called Matthew Shepard is a Friend of Mine, which is supposed to be a really, really good, um, documentary. There are also a couple, um, poems by, about Matthew. Uh, Blood and Tears, poems for Matthew Shepard. Um, Dive, and the Book of Statues. There are also a lot of, like, songs and, um and things like that, which is a really, really, really long list, so I'm just going to go off on it. So, here are some of the albums. Um, uh, Lullaby um, by If Thousands, Considering Matthew Shepard, and some of the songs. Um, Lacrimi Laramie, Merman, Elegy for Matthew, Matthew Shepard, Scarecrow, Trouble the Waters, Into the Sun, What Matters, American Triangle, Cheyenne, Laramie, Sacrifice, God Loves Everyone, Another Scarecrow, Uh, Sounds, Hail, Laramie, That Ain't Right, They Are Loathing in Laramie, M Shepherd, Jesus Is on the Wire, Matthew, Above the Clouds, Um, Did You Just Say F Slurf? for the LGBTQ community that I do not feel comfortable saying. Um, And Sadness Will Shear, The Ballad of Matthew Shepard, from Matthew Shepard, Hinterland, Incinerate, um, Poster Child, um, Imagine, uh, Defense, Matthew Shepard Song, Another Scarecrow, um, Little Birds, Hands of Hate, and Considering Matthew Shepard. Uh, there are also a couple, uh, stage plays in it, um, uh, which is called, um, Matt, um, and the Laramie Project, and the Laramie Project 10 years later. So there's also, they also do talk about some other, um, some other television called, um, in, in the movie, in the, in the TV show, uh, Six Feet Under, they talk about it, and then, um, is, is mentioned in the United States of Terror. um, and then also on an episode of The West Wing, and also, um, on the regular, like, regular Law and Order series, not SVU. So, those are the other ways that Matthew Shepard's case, um, it is obviously, his case is impacted, the LGBTQ community a lot. And um, I hope that um, he's looking down on us thinking, wow, like my bill got passed and that his bill is helping other members of the LGBTQ community. We all all still wish that he would have survived this because I think that he would have been so proud to see the community grow and I, I just really wanted to share his story. So, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know it was really sad. If you didn't, if you heard me kind of tearing up at the ending, you did not. So, um, I'm actually almost to 600 lessons, 600 plays. Actually, by the time this comes out, I probably will have 600 plays. But, um, I plan on doing an Instagram Live, maybe maybe not this weekend but the next possibly the next weekend um, so you can stay tuned for that and that will be most likely announced um, on my instagram at oneiopen at oneiopen.podcast on instagram um, and if you'd like to you know follow for more you can follow me on twitter at oneiopen.pod uh instagram at oneiopen.podcast and TikTok at when I open pod I know most of you are probably from my TikTok page. Hi, thank you. Um, and then if you'd like to contact me uh, via email and have if you have any case suggestions or anything um, like that, it's also going to be in the episode description where I write about what today's episode is about. Because this email address is kind of hard to explain because it's like one like the letter one. I open podcast at gmail.com but thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I hope that you enjoyed the LGBTQ the little LGBTQ arc um and uh I'm very excited to get back to some uh well I don't want to say I'm excited to get back to some normal or episodes but I have some really exciting episode topics coming up and uh Remember to sleep with one eye open.